0: Hello everyone, Rob Guest from Football.London here and welcome to latest episode of Gold and Guest Talk, Tottenham sponsored by NordVPN. Joining me today Alice Alistair Gold. Ali, how are you? Yeah, all good. We have a
1: kind of double Spurs win. Obviously a really good result, gritty kind of hard-fought performance at the city ground last night, which I'm sure has left certainly you and me and all the Spurs fans travelling back a little bit bleary-eyed today. Um, And Tottenham Hotspur women have just absolutely smashed it as well before we started recording this with a historic win against Arsenal at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Watch the game, honestly. They were superb. They were so good. And the goal they scored, the winning goal through Martha Thomas was absolute, just lovely in keeping with the Spurs' identity right now. Robert Villaham's got them playing beautiful football, attractive attacking football as is trying to do with the men's team as well. And, you know, with the academy sides as well, flying high, feels a little bit like touch wood, Cross your fingers, whatever superstitious things you do. Spurs are kind of heading in some kind of direction right now, and it's actually a good one. So, uh, yeah, loads for us to talk about today.
0: I mean, last night wasn't exactly beautiful in the free-flowing football no. we've come in to moment. know under Ange Postacoglu. Yeah, but... All that matters is three points, and it was a hard fought victory. Tottenham taking the lead courtesy of Richarlison's header on the stroke of halftime time, and then Dane Kulosewski five minutes after the hour mark with a powerful finish past Matt Turner. It was quite hard in the end for Spurs, you know, to try and see out the game with Eve Basuma uh, sent off for the second time this season, but. They managed to do it, it's back-to-back wins, Uh, they're level on points with Man City as things stand at the moment, but at time of recording, City playing at home against Crystal Palace and you would imagine they are going to get maximum points, but all Spurs can really do at the moment is just keep winning those games and keep up the pressure uh, on the top four and, fingers crossed, they should be in a nice position in the league table come Christmas Day.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was one of those games, wasn't it, where the result was so important. You know, we've spoken a lot about really kind of attractive attacking play, you know, even mentioned it at the top of this. But ultimately, you've still got to go to these stadiums where the atmosphere was really good. You know, obviously that crowd adores Steve Cooper, and this was the first home game they've really had since all the speculation properly started swirling around him again. So they showed their kind of adoration for him that they've got for everything he's done there. So just as soon as they started to get a little sniff, they could get back into the game. It got louder and louder. And obviously with Basuma getting himself sent off as well. This was the kind of game that even with 11 men, we've seen Spurs mess up in the past. You know, we saw them in the Carabao Cup last season, be absolutely horrendous there and lose by the same scoreline. So they were more than capable of of chucking that game away, but they kind of dug in some really good defensive performances, a couple of good attacking ones as well. And ultimately, yeah, they come away with a three points that really kind of solidifies their place in that top five as well. That top five that put a lot of pressure on the likes of United, Newcastle, Brighton this weekend. That if they don't win their games, they're six points adrift from that top five, and that's a little kind of it's a little group that's starting to pull away. And Spurs want to be a part of that. So to come out of that little sticky spell get back-to-back um, wins in very differing styles as well, um, coming through more absolute carnage and madness and ridiculous things that happen, as Spurs always do. I thought that was a really good three points on the road.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're not always going to be at the free-flowing best. Uh, no. we have seen this time, a number of times this season, where they've been scoring goals for fun, but it's always going to be a tough game at the city ground. I mean, it's a really, really good atmosphere there anyway but especially under the lights on a Friday night with Steve Cooper's job up in the air and the atmosphere was uh, brilliant there uh, throughout the game and I think the previous game against Newcastle when the 1-4-1 that's I think one of those games where you're attacking players love it but I thought last night it's one of those where the defensive players appreciate it the win because they had to really dig in deep uh, be solid at the back and they managed to do that because, I mean, they were under some intense pressure uh, at times, especially at the start of the second half before Kulosevsky scored that crucial second goal. And then right after Ives Bissouma got sent off, uh, yeah, Forrest were really pushing, looking for a way back into the game. And you know how Spurs have been in... The previous five games prior to that uh newcastle win where they'd gone ahead and then managed not to win uh in those five games you're thinking that oh, here we go if they concede then they might ship another one but they uh stayed strong at the back ben davis christian romero putting in really good defensive performances gulliamo vicario as well uh one really crucial say from harry toffolo at the end and one you perhaps didn't know too much about i think it was from nico williams uh, the post the wind, Yeah, yeah, it. in the final few minutes and you could see it after the game. I mean, you pointed out to me, Uh Vicario instigated this moment at full time where he called the defensive players over. I think he already had Christian Romero and Ben Davis around him. Pedro Porra and Destiny Doggy came in to join in this mini huddle. So did Oliver Skip and Emerson Royale and they were celebrating you know, a really, really good defensive showing, keeping a clean sheet, and uh, another three points uh, that really mattered to them last night. And they, you know, knew the importance of that win and what they managed to do in terms of uh, the defensive side of the game.
1: Yeah, it was like, it was strange, wasn't it? It was like a post match team huddle for just yeah. those who had really <laughs> contributed to the defensive efforts. Although Hoybier didn't seem to be invited. I mean, that just might have been that he wasn't around. I'm sure that was nothing personal. I mean, Emerson kind of leapt on top of them all. And he could see they were like, no, 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 we're having a chat. (laughs) And he was like, leapt on them. Um, Vicario um, Postacoglu pointed this out in the week that Vicario is starting to grow as a leader at the back as well. I presume it's because he's getting more confident, his surroundings settled, his performances have been superb. He's definitely, we can hear him. He's a much louder voice at the back. And yeah, it just felt like he organised this little thing at the end to say, you know, this is the first clean sheet since October against Fulham. Should have been more, really. You know, you think about the late moments, the Palace goal for IU it was a little bit iffy. You think about the added time goals at Wolves, uh, even the Joe Linton goal um, last weekend. You know, these are goals that probably shouldn't have happened. They'd have had more clean sheets. Um, I mean, most defences will say that any, any goal shouldn't happen anyway. But those were particularly kind of tough ones to take. But they were excellent yesterday, um, because like you say, it was a very different game. Forrest played with, it's like a flat back five at times. So the attacking players weren't going to get m- many opportunities. And then as the game kind of slightly turned with the, um, the one man less, it kind of became Spurs then became the counterattacking team and were having to sit back and the defense were magnificent. Vicario, although he only had to make one kind of really impressive save, that, that close range one from Toffolo, his command of his area was superb. Um, just grabbing the ball in the air whenever it came by. There was one really good flying punch he did that actually Forest fans were applauding in front. I could see that. They were like, okay, that's that's pretty, you know, that's brave, that's terrific. Um, I actually had some stats on Vicari as well. He's made 50 saves this season and he's actually made 14 high claims, they're called. Those sort of ones where they grab him out of the air from crosses, which is the joint sixth highest in the Premier League. So he's clearly, uh, I don't want to, do down Hugo Lloris, who clearly was a terrific servant for Spurs for, you know, more than a decade. But crosses, that was something that he was a bit inconsistent on. Sometimes he could do it very well, grab a, a cross out of the air. Sometimes he would stay on his line and it was all a little bit... The defenders didn't know what was happening. Whereas with Vicario, he's very dominant and he'll come out and you can hear him shout and they all step aside and let him come for it. Um, and no, he was good. I thought Ben Davies again... Postacoglu, after the game, called him outstanding. He, they were the two he picked out. Vicario and Davies were outstanding. Um, and he said Romero was very good as well. Ben Davies, just like shock horror. When you put a player in alongside a natural centre-back alongside him, one who fits the system, oh, he actually plays better because he doesn't have to worry about everyone else's work. He just can concentrate on his own. You know, yes, he's going to get beaten occasionally by pace, as most players are. Yes, occasionally he's going to be caught out of position because he's trying to learn what is a very different centre-back position. I had someone say, and understandably so in the week, they they kind of commented on, um, I think it was Twitter, saying, yeah, yeah, but he's been a centre-back for years. And it's like, well, I get what you mean in that he's played in Wales in a back three on the left and at Spurs occasionally. It's such a different version of a centre-back. There's so much more to think about. When you're on the the left of a back three, you're kind of still a fullback. You're doing some of the elements of a centre-back, but mostly you're still playing out wide. When you're a straight centre-back in a back pairing, that's all you're doing. You're through the centre, you're mopping up stuff in the air, and he's not the tallest, Ben Davies. He's not small, but he's not like, you know, kind of Romero height, I don't think, or or certainly the likes of Van der Ven and players like that. So he's kind of kind of having to make that up as well. I just thought he was excellent. Um, and it's lovely to see because he is a player that gets grouped in with all the others of, you know, he's not good enough for Spurs, all this silly stuff. And he's a player that, again, I'll keep saying this until I'm blue in the face, there's a reason that every manager uses him and praises him. It's not because he's lucky. It's not because Daniel Levy's telling them to play him. It doesn't work like that. All of these are very kind of strong managers with their own minds, and they all see a very good player who's terrific for the squad and can fill in in so many different roles, and he'll never let the side down intentionally. There might be an odd point when, you know, he'll make a mistake, as all defenders do, but on the whole, he's going to give you every single thing he possibly can. And I just love the fact that he's getting his rewards right now, and... You know, as long as Romero can steer clear of suspension, which he almost managed to get himself yesterday, he and Davies are going to form a nice little partnership probably for the next month or so, hopefully, as long as they can steer clear of suspension and injury. Um, and they've got a nice little balance to them as well. I'm not saying it's as perfect as the Van de Ven Romero one was, but it's it's got a good look to it.
0: Yeah, and that relationship and that partnership is really going to get grow stronger with the more games they yeah. play and Yeah, it's clear to see Tottenham need defensive reinforcements, but I think what we've seen in the past few weeks, Davis can cover for Van Der Ven if he's out injured. He's not a like-for-like player, he's not as good on the ball as him. He maybe can't move forward like Van Der Ven, but he's still a good defender and it's nice to see him getting all this praise at the moment because it's not always been the case (laughs) for him at Tottenham and Tottenham he's coming up to 10 years at the club uh, at the end of yeah. the season and that tells you everything. If he wasn't a good player, he wouldn't have been at the club one or two seasons, would he? they just sold it. Uh, but he's been there 10 years, he's played under Jose Mourinho, Antonio Conte, Poch, everyone clearly sees something in him. So, yeah, really, really good to see him uh, performing uh, so well and He's going to get a run in the team now. So it's just not a
1: sexy player, is he? That's what it yeah. is. It's not a player that people, I don't know, when they're playing their FIFAs and football managers, that they're not going to buy him. They're not going to play him on that. And, and he's not going to be one that makes the headlines. He's not a massive signing. He just does his job. And I think those kind of players are so underrated in the game.
0: Yeah. I saw someone on Twitter earlier uh, comparing him to James Milner. Ben Davis's Tottenham's very own James Milner. It's not a bad shout. Depending on what are trying to say. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't think that's the worst in the world. But um, yeah. And again, both talented players that can kind of do a lot of the things any footballer would want to do, but they're just reliable. And that's what it is.
0: Yeah. Just on Christian Romero, my word, mm-hmm. I thought he was lucky last night in terms of. There were that, two occasions I thought. He yeah. Was- that first one where he clipped. Kayate when he was running down the left wing, that just looked like a wall yellow card. And you're thinking, right, he's suspended for the Everton game, but was given a bit of a reprieve. And I think the other one was just outside the area, was it? Not long after. They
1: played on, didn't they? They played on for ages. And we were, I think both Guesty and I were both like, yeah, yeah, keep playing on, keep playing on. Maybe the referee will forget. And he did, well, he either didn't deem it to be a foul or he forgot, but he never went back to it. So yeah, he he walked that line like a tightrope. It was very iffy. You know, Ryan Yates was pretty much shouting for everyone to get a yellow card yesterday. Um, yeah. And I think he was for that that uh, Romero first challenge as well. Um, but thankfully, didn't get his way on that one.
0: Yeah, I think on any other day, he probably would have got a yellow one. I was really surprised that uh, the referee, I think it was Jared uh, Gillette, didn't uh, mm. show him a yellow card, because that would have ruled him out of uh, Saturday's game against Everton, and with Destiny Doggy picking up a yellow card early in the first half and ruling him out of that game, you just like, back to a few weeks ago when there's like, barely any options in defence Yeah, but so Eric Dyer it would have been or, Yeah, I, I mean it'd have had to be, because yeah. you'd assume Emerson's going to be covering for Ben Davis at left back, unless Postacoglu yeah. would have some very uh, attack-minded plan up his sleeve, but he's, he's not come to that. So the cutoff point for a one-match ban for five yellow cards is after a team's 19th Premier League game of the season. So Tottenham's is on the 28th of December, Brighton away. So Romero's got to get through the next two games without a yellow card. Might be a bit tricky for him. Uh I don't know, but I bet your but, lot
1: do it, it? I bet you're Everton lot. Someone winds him up, but then he's going to get targeted. I think Postecoglou said that the other day that teams are going to be aware that he's can be like that, it can be a loose cannon.
0: Yeah, and I mean, but that's down to him to control that, and he did Absolutely. do at the, at the start of the season, yeah. uh, and then obviously picks up a couple of bookings, and it was just that mad moment against Chelsea, what obviously ruled him out for three games, so. Yeah, Romero's walking the disciplinary tightrope. And, and to be fair, I think we've all said it. It's now becoming quite a big issue for Spurs, this.
1: Just the whole thing. Yeah, it is. I mean, I saw, I watched it this morning, Gary Neville's kind of, I am going to call it a rant because it was quite measured, really. His, ex, just talking about these Spurs players who are very talented in Romero, Basuma and Adoghi, who are right down the core and spine of that team yet have missed so many games with various suspensions, and it's costing Tottenham. We saw it during that um, those five games, especially the four defeats. Spurs having to deal without these important players in their team. It's, it's not fair on the rest of the players who are trying desperately to hold everything together while all the other injured players are out. And that's the least kind of, you know, if you're in a team that's got so many injuries and so many like it's an unprecedented injury crisis for Spurs this season. I don't think I've ever seen anything like this in terms of injuries. The least you can expect from the fit players remaining is to remain available for each game. Is to not put themselves out of action because of, you know, suspensions. And we're at the stage now we've got Romero's had a 3 game suspension. Um is on the verge of another one if he gets a fifth yellow card please, please don't get another red card because that would be a four-game ban. You've got Destiny Doggy, who's now had two separate suspensions, both one game, uh, one red card and one accumulation of yellows. And now Yves Basuma, who one game banned for the first red card, accumulation of yellow cards for another one. And now, because it's his second red card, will miss four games. Uh, and that will include the FA Cup game as well. And it's not good enough. You know, We can look at the Basuma challenge, and I can understand what Pastor is saying, absolutely, that if you zero in on a challenge, blow it up, slow it down, look at it, it will look always look far worse than it was in real time. I understand that. But he still should not be flying into a challenge like that at 2-0 up. There's no need. Just be calm and composed, and absolutely no reason why he should be giving them a discussion to have VAR. Um, and the referee, and so many angles that you're now going to see these challenges in. And that's the problem with Basuma. Postecoglou said right at the start of the season to him, he wanted him to be a leader. He wanted him to kind of inspire the younger players to follow his lead. And let's be honest, we're going to get to the stage now where he's going to go after the African Cup of Nations as well. So we're not going to see him until February now. That That's him done. Once he comes back, if we say, let's say Marley had an incredible tournament got all the way to the final, he's going to miss four to five Spurs games. That means that – what's that in total? That's double figures, 10 or 11 Spurs games he'll have missed this season. He's only played 15. That's almost half of his season he's not been available for Tottenham. And it's such a shame because he was brilliant at the start of the season. He really was. He has not been himself since that red card at Kenilworth Road. I really don't believe he has. Uh, and some people will say, oh, it's not actually a big loss because, you know, he hasn't been playing that well. But I looked at one of the stats that I didn't even realise – um, until I looked it up earlier, he's had um, – I've got it right here 50 – he's got the second most tackles in the Premier League, Basuma. He's made 50. I think it's only Jao um, Paulina Fulham has made 72 somehow, which is the most remarkable. I mean, he's second, and Paulina's made another 22 tackles. Um, so, yeah, to have made that many tackles, and that's in the games he's been available for. It kind of shows the – defensive work you don't see maybe or don't appreciate that he does as well so it's so poor on his part I mean what is he 27 as well he's not a young player he's not got any excuse like that with a doggy maybe being a little bit rash I felt a doggy was hard done by I'll be honest a doggy that's a shoulder barge on what to me looked like an offside attack anyway which didn't have a flag go up for it that was very very soft um and I actually thought he played quite well after that, the doggy. I thought he didn't let it affect him. But Basuma, you know, he's an older player. He's got to take more responsibility than that. Um, Postacoglu. I mean, I'll ask you this. Is this the one area under Postacoglu that maybe is a negative this season?
0: Yeah, very much Just so, think. because I mean, there's been so many injuries this season and, having all these suspensions on top of that, it's just causing him a real headache. And, you know, if Christian Romero didn't get sent off against uh, Chelsea, then Spurs might not have lost, you know, three games on the trot or four out of five. So it is uh, a real, real problem. It very much is a negative because these are key players in the team as well. Especially at the start of the season, Basuma was one of the best Tottenham players. Doggy's been brilliant since he's uh, come to the club this summer. Romero uh, was at the very top of his game as well, so I think it is an issue. I think on the Basuma one, obviously, just it was high, it was mistimed. Uh, He could have no complaints at all. But then when you go back to like the Luton one, I mean, that was just totally avoidable. One of them was pretty much rugby tackling one of the players to the ground and then the one what he got red carded for was a dive I yeah. thought the one at Wolves what was his fifth of the season was soft Uh yeah, I agree. but a lot of them are still avoidable maybe you just need to have players just maybe need to have a bit more about them uh, maybe not I so what he was trying to do
1: yesterday I think he was yeah. trying to block the pass which was kind of bouncing up but it's just so daft and it my second question to you on the same point is is this Postacoglu's fault? Is he too lenient with them in that regard? Or is it the players' fault that, you know, you've just got to trust them that they should be doing better?
0: I think you've just got to trust them that they should be doing better. I mean, he's he's not like he's a manager and he's telling them to go out and be, you know, go really hard into these tackles and that and, you know, make the other players, you know, know they're in the game. A lot of it is just mistimed, especially the Basuma one. Yes, it is. It's mistimed. It's, you know, split second. Uh, it's it's just one of these things, but it needs to be improved on. It needs to be stopped immediately because it could harm the Champions League chances come the end of the season. And there's one player we've not even mentioned, and that's Pat Matazar. He's now on four yeah. bookings for the season uh, because yeah. he got one in the game last night. So he's also one booking away from a one-match got a second yellow at the end. That's what I was going to say. He, uh, I think it was when Oliver skip broke, wasn't it? And tried playing yeah. it across to Saar. Ball went a bit too far. Sars chased it, ended up clipping one that Forest players in his own box. And you're thinking that could have been a yellow card as well. So he could have been yeah. sent off. So yeah, there's a few. I think it's Romero and uh, Saar on four yellows. Then I think it's Hoybeek, Kuliseski, and Poro on three, but with two matches oh, left. Poro
1: was getting closer, yeah.
0: You can't see him getting uh, two bookings, but give no. it no, You've absolutely moment, made it happen. Uh, <laughs> Someone will happen. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, come the Barmouth game, it might be the kids playing.
1: It could be. And I mean, uh, here's the quotes that uh, Poster Coglu said after the game when. He was asked about the, the challenge and whether there was a, a discipline issue. Uh, for the challenge, he said, I think they slowed it down and they saw what they saw and we have to cop it. And as for the suspension, he said, well, it's an issue, but it's not so much discipline. Tonight, like I say, I haven't seen the slow down version, but it's just a desperate lunge more than anything malicious. The guys are having to adapt to learn to play our football without crossing a line, but I love the commitment they showed. Unfortunately, we paid a price because it's not just this game. He obviously misses a big chunk of football, but it is what it is. And I think that's the thing for me. That's the only thing that I love so much about what Postacoglu is doing. But I do think when it comes to discipline, certainly publicly, he's a little bit wishy-washy. One week, he'll say it's not an issue um, and it's not a problem and it's something that just happens naturally in the game. They're going to be this relentless football. It's going to draw challenges, yellow cards, things like that. But then in the next week, he'll call for discipline. And he'll say that, you know, they need to be a bit more aware and they need to understand that they're costing the rest of their teammates and things like that. And then the next week he'll change that and he'll say, oh, no, no, when I mean discipline, I just mean about, you know, the way they play the game and keeping themselves kind of playing, their their conviction in what they're doing with the ball. And it's a bit like, I think if you keep a consistent message about it kind of publicly, it kind of matches whatever you're saying privately. And I'm sure he's unhappy with Basuma privately. He must be. You know, the guy's missed is such a talented player and he's missed so much football for Spurs. He's going to by the time he returns in February. Um and as especially as he sees him as someone that's so integral to this kind of number six role within his squad. Um so yeah, yeah, it's in his words, it is what it is, but I don't know whether it should be what it is. I think they should be doing better myself.
0: Yeah, with Basuma as well, he's only harmony's own chances because if he's coming back potentially middle of February it gives someone like Hojbjerg or Oliver Skip the chance you know to Benton could be back February as well playing the team uh, get a good run of games under the belt uh, Benton Kerr yeah uh, LaSelso if you wanted to play him in midfield again there's, there's options there I mean it's not like a centre-back at the moment where there's literally next to no one there are midfielders uh, to choose from and Given he's already missed uh, a few games through suspension this year, got a four-match ban, going to be away for the AFCON, you know, he could come back. He could be on the bench quite easily. Absolutely. And and kind of one of the names you
1: mentioned there, I'm kind of treading on, I think, what we were going to talk about a little bit later, but I'd be intrigued to see, especially because he came off the bench ahead of Hoybier, whether he finally gives Oliver Skipper a go in the number six role. I do feel for him. I see what he said on social media. Because when you're throwing Oliver Skip into a number eight role, it's just not his position. It's not. He can do little bits and pieces from it. But we saw that, that late break you were talking about. He didn't really know what to do with the ball at the end of it. And he'll do that quite a few times. He'll burst on these great runs forward. But he doesn't really have the attacking sense to know what to do with it. Whereas there's a number six, you know, when he played at Norwich that season, he was superb, you know, in a number six kind of slash box-to-box role, but mostly number six role. Um, And he was so good. And he just hasn't really been able to... And we saw it actually with Spurs as well, but just under Postacoglu, it hasn't happened yet for him. And instead, he's coming off the bench for these little kind of snippets of game time. Last night was his most minutes he got in a Premier League game since Brentford on the opening day of the season for Spurs and he's coming in being expected to kind of get used to the rhythm of the game and i could see that early in the game it was a little bit chasing shadows to begin with but i actually felt defensively as the game wore on he became quite important around the spurs box in in the pressure and getting the tackles in and interceptions and that was why you know he was called into that defensive huddle as well because he did play his part in it and i just wonder now whether he'll you'd think he'll go for the experience of hoybier but I just wonder whether Skip kind of gave him any pause to think. Well, maybe should I give this, you know, give the young guy a chance in the number six role and see what he can do? Um, because yeah, again, like you say, it's Basuma opening the door for other people to take his spot, and I don't think he could have any complaints if they do because he's brought it on himself. With it's one of those, isn't it? Yes, you can argue about. Loads of people argue whether it's a red card or not. I think the majority will think it should have been. But the problem is, it's a little bit like, I don't know, a kid who gets a suspension at school, who's constantly getting suspensions at school. You might be the odd occasion when he didn't really deserve it. But because he's done it so many times, you kind of lose that little bit of sympathy for him. And that's kind of, I think, maybe where we're at with Basuma, is that he just keeps bringing it on himself. Um, and Romero, you know, the same. I don't think he's any different in this scenario. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So, goodbye, He's Basuma until later next year, you know, February. That's just mad when you think about it like that.
0: It is, it is. Are you saying Hojbjerg starts against Everton, but you won't be opposed to Oliver Skip getting an opportunity in there?
1: I'd like to give him i I'd like to see Postacoglu give him a shot in his natural position. You know, kind of... I think he deserves it. And let's be honest, he's more likely to have a long-term future than Hoybier is, you know. I still think that Skippy might be off next summer, potentially on a loan somewhere because of the lack of game time. Um, but Hoybier seems destined to kind of leave. I just wonder whether it benefits you more to give Skippy uh, a little chance to have a run in there, you know. Maybe, but... Um, I don't know, Potokogne might feel that against especially someone with a nous of like Sean Dyche's Everton team, he maybe needs that extra experience of a hoy-bier. Um Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, Lo Celso should be back as well, so that adds another option in there. But I can't really see him going lacelso Celso, uh, and Saar. That's quite a, <laughs> quite a lightweight, maybe slightly more attack-minded uh, team as well. Although Saar has played defensive midfield. I just don't know if I'd want him there on his own as the lone defensive midfielder.
0: Yeah, I think we'll probably see a bit more of Olive Skip over the coming weeks, especially with the Burnley cup tie. You'd probably think he should start that game, because uh, you'd imagine Ange will probably rotate a few players. Uh, hopefully, not as many as last time against Fulham in the Carabao Cup, mind you. But that we skipped he hasn't last got as many to <laughs> yeah, True, true. But that we've skipped last night when he was going through in the final minute, he had the beating of. Uh, i think it was danilo if he just went on an extra yard it looked like danilo had stopped and you know thought i'm not getting him here if he managed to take it on an extra yard he probably could have got a shot away but you can see what he was uh doing but don't matter Spurs won didn't they in the end so (laughs) they did yeah right uh halfway through the pod uh ali do you want to let everyone know about the benefits of using nordvpn
1: Of course. The Golden Guest Talk Ton and Podcast is sponsored by NordVPN, as you should know by now. And if you don't, you can use the service in a host of different ways to enhance your internet experience. NordVPN is the fastest VPN in the world, and that means there's no buffering, no lagging, and you can stream your favorite shows from anywhere in the world without your bandwidth throttling. Honestly, I've used it so many times. It's something that's helped me so many times over the years, whether it be through work, whether it be through just being able to watch the things that I pay for that I should be able to watch in the UK. But for some reason, when you cross a border into another country, they try to stop you doing that. Um, and you know it just allows you to set your location of your device to being back in the UK so you can still watch it. and likewise it works the other way um, in terms of you being able to watch things from abroad and not only that, but the outlay on a Nord VPN subscription is cheaper for you in the long run. that's because you can purchase streaming services or bookings from other countries at a much cheaper rate. So for example, you could book flights from other countries which could be cheaper too if you're booking them from those countries. so it means you're paying out for Nord but you're saving money overall. There's a whole host of other benefits from signing up to NordVPN, so why not give it a go? You can grab the exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash goldguest to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan, plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee.
0: Right, let's move on to some of the positives from last night, because obviously the Disciplinary issues, that was a massive, massive negative, but a major talking point from the game. So, one of the positives, perhaps the biggest positive, Dane Kulaseski at the moment. What a player he is uh, for Tottenham, really come into his own over the past few weeks. Uh, Probably he's playing some of his best football uh, in the Tottenham shirt since his move to club, obviously, was... Incredible, uh, initially, uh, when he first joined on loan, helped Spurs get into the Champions League. But it's like Andrew's taking him up another level or two uh, since he's come into the club. And that switch to, uh, into the midfield certainly helped him because that's where he uh, played when he was coming through as a youngster. I think he said in one of his interviews, it was when he went on loan to Parma. He eventually moved to the right wing and that's where he's pretty much stayed ever since. But... He wasn't in the midfield role for that long last night because of Brendan Johnson's injury, uh, what we'll obviously touch on, up on in a bit. But he was still influential. And I mean, he had a huge, huge say on the game, literally from the first few minutes. It was really nice bit of footwork outside the area. Reverse ball to uh, play Son. Not a good first touch on Son. Looking back on that, just seemed to send him a bit wide. Uh, still managed to get a shot away on goal, but Matt Turner saved it and then... Brendan Johnson stabbed effort at goal what Turner pushed around the post that all came from Kulusevsky again and then it was Kulusevsky who put in a really really good ball for Richarlison really good delivery a lot of pace on it and I think it was one of those where Richarlison just needed to, to divert into the goal and he did exactly that and Kulusevsky, uh got the goal his performance deserved on 65 minutes Certainly helped by Turner in the forest goal. Really poor kick from him. Uh, It must be said that Son did well to close him down and make him rush that kick.
1: Yeah, good pressure. It
0: was. uh, And the keeper didn't exactly cover himself in glory with the shot either. He was powerful, but straight through him. But Kuliseski's performances at the moment, wow. And deservedly uh, the player of the match as well from Sky Sports.
1: Yeah, he's been phenomenal. Um, And another player that people were criticising you know, because they couldn't see the end product. They couldn't, I mean, we could kind of were, were crowing and as was Postacoglu about what he was doing off the ball and the running and everything. And I think now you're seeing um kind of some of the end product stuff that I know Postacoglu and Ryan Mason, who's part of the attacking kind of coaching setup, is doing with him to just get him into these more dangerous positions, I think. Um And the irony is, is he's playing really well in a deeper role yeah, every time he switches back to the right, he's coming up with the goods, with the goals and assists. Um, it's just unfortunate, maybe in the deep role, that people aren't finishing things off. But oh, that cross for Richardson, And also, massive praise for Richardson for the header. That's such a brave... That's the kind of header you're going to get smashed. You think the keeper could punch in the head, could anything. But he's got a brilliant head on that. Um, and then, like you say, the actual uh, Kudusevsky goal... Great work from Sonny. Really aggressive, fast-pressing. Turner makes a complete mess of that. And just when you think you've got a chance to atone for your error, he then kind of palms it into his own net. I mean, it was a powerful shot. But yeah, Kulusevsky's just in a great little run of form right now. Father-to-be Kulusevski as well, as we now know, with his... Uh, I mean, I know they're kind of footballers trying to do their reveals. It's normally gender reveals quite kind of uh, high-profile now. But that, I thought, was quite good, actually announcing that his partner was having a baby with uh, the old football under the shirt. I liked his little interview he did after the game. He kind of said he hopes uh, she's not annoyed with him because she told him not to do it if he's away. Um, He wanted it to be a home game, but he said, as quite rightly, you don't know when your next goal's coming. So if you get a chance to do it, you do it. Um, I think the baby's coming along in April, he said. So, uh, yeah, you know, lovely news for him. And he's in a great kind of run of form right now. um, And he's just... Looks happy in himself, you know. He looks like he's loving life under Postacoglu. He's an important, trusted player by Postacoglu. He's like he is an undroppable right now for Postacoglu. You can't really see him coming out of that team anytime soon, and they look lesser for it when he, you know, when he isn't in the team. um The only thing he needs to kind of probably improve on. I was looking at in my little stats checks today. He's been dispossessed 37 times this season in the Premier League, which is the third most in the competition. Only Jordan, Ayew and Solanke, both in the 40s, have been uh, dispossessed more. I guess he will say that that's because he's always trying to dribble through. He's trying to make things happen. So that's more likely to happen with players that take risks. I understand that. But that's probably one area that he's going to work on, along with the continuing to be in attacking areas. Um, but no, he's, he's, he's really kind of flying right now he's, um, I did have his, his numbers here as well, three goals and two assists in his past seven matches. Um, and also, he's so strong and has this ridiculous engine on him that as soon as they went to 10 men, you could see that Postacoglu was thinking, well, I can put decky up front. And he did. He ended the game on his own up front. Um, and there was still a danger. I saw, I was listening to while we were kind of finishing up our work at the City ground before we went down for the press conference, I could hear some of the Forest fans talking in front and they were talking, they were really impressed with Spurs and it was players like Kudusevsky, they were saying like, even with 10 men, they were so dangerous constantly and, you know, that's what we were saying about how important it was to the defence because the fact that the defence didn't even let in one goal, I think was so key because if they let in one, I think everything would have started piling on them and that's where also Kulusevsky's goal was so vital in just, just giving that little kind of gap, that little kind of breathing space for the team. And yeah, he's just becoming a terrific, terrific young player. And as he said after the game, now it's about the consistency. He's got this dream of being one of the best players in the world. And he's got all of the skills to be able to do that. He's just got to improve. He's got to improve his unpredictability. He's got to improve where he is in dangerous positions. But if he can keep the consistency going, like he says, he's got every chance of going there. And in Posta Coglu, he's got someone that absolutely loves working with him. It's brilliant.
0: Yeah, his influence is just growing game by game. And I don't even think we've seen the best of him Yeah, I still absolutely think there's not. a lot, lot more to come mm-hmm. from him. And Posta is certainly extracting the best from him at the moment. And he's so you played mean with... You
1: don't uh, agree with that Italian journalist that everyone keeps quote-tweeting... <laughs> Yeah, that, that's <laughs> okay.
0: why he was doing the rounds again. Or is it Benton Kerr gives the ball away like three times a game a summer? Or was this the It was essentially...
1: I can't remember the chat, I mean, but yeah, he did say something. Uh, and sometimes, look, we'll have opinions on players and they go elsewhere and they're absolutely phenomenal, so it'll happen. But yeah, essentially the gist of it was uh, Juventus absolutely have stitched spurs up here. Thanks for taking Benton Kerr and Kulusevski because they're rubbish. <laughs> it was kind of pretty much the... To paraphrase massively... And it's just like, wow, you know, Kulishevsky is one of the best kind of attackers in the Premier League, I think. And he's, only, like you say, we haven't even seen the best of him. And Benton Kerr, when he's fit, is one of the best in the, the Premier League as well. So, uh, yeah, I do feel a bit sorry for that guy. I mean, fair play to him for sticking with it and not deleting that tweet, as some people would, but it does. Every time there's a good performance from one of them, people quote tweet it. Um, yeah, it's just so good, Kulishevsky, really is.
0: Yeah, he's played with a number of top, top players throughout his young career yeah. already. Cristina, Cristiano Ronaldo at Juventus, Latam, uh, international level for Sweden. They've all been raving about him. I think Pirlo was his was manager at Juve uh, yes. for a short yes, time. He, he, he had uh, some really good words to say about him. So clearly a very, very talented player. And yeah, I think... The goals and assists are going to start increasing for him uh, over the remainder of the season. And that second goal last night, I think we could see the importance of it at the time because Forrest were pushing on, he gave Spurs that two-goal cushion. But I think the importance of it just grew and grew like five minutes later as soon as Basuma got that red card. Because, I mean, if it wasn't for that second goal, then we might not be talking about a victory.
1: Absolutely. Are you happy with your mate, Richie? That's goals in back-to-back games now for the first time at Spurs.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, happy for him. If he wants to keep the run at two games, that'll do. <laughs> 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 Saturday. Oh, and...
1: yeah. You're going to be devastated, aren't you, if he <laughs> scores a hat-trick <laughs> next week. You're going to be so torn. No, but well, I mean...
0: you're not really. Nah, you're nah. not going to be torn,
1: but...
0: <laughs> no, it's he's, uh, he's great to see him just getting a bit of a run in the team and just getting uh, on the score sheet now back to back games I said to you last night once he scored the header it's like you've got someone in the box now who's really good in the air was it six of his eight Tottenham goals have been headers uh, Sonny not so good with his head when he's in the central role at least you got Rich and someone who will throw himself at the ball so it's like put a good ball in for him and he'll go for it and yeah. he's capable of scoring it so yeah, good to see him. Uh, just see his confidence lift as well. Just regular football. Unfortunate to make way with 20 minutes to go, but I mean, that's always going to be the case when uh, someone's yeah. sent off and an attacker makes way. But yeah, he, he just looks more like himself uh, at the moment, getting a run of games, confident. Yeah, good for him
1: goals three assists and 15 matches as well yeah eight, yeah eight goal involvements in 15 that's better you know we've been talking about a 60 million pound signing still needs to be more but that is getting towards the productivity that i think we want to see from him now and yeah we said it before but you can definitely notice the how much freer he is in his movement it's posicoglu keeps referring to it it is since he's had that groin surgery he's he's just kind of been unleashed really and and You know, and that's not only in attacking, that's also getting back and starting moves himself with tackles. Yeah, it's terrific to see. And, you know, especially with Sonny heading off to the Asian Cup next month, Richardson has got a real kind of stretch now where if he can get some confidence going in the next few games, he's probably going to find himself in that team now for at least the next few months. Um, Something, a real foundation for him to build on, I think.
0: Yeah, I don't think he could have really timed it any better getting on the goal trail, especially with Sonny heading away. He's going to get a really good run in the central role at the moment. And if he manages, you know, to carry on this purple patch in front of goal, then at, at least Ange and everyone else at Tottenham will be able to see they've got someone who can, you know, ease the burden uh, on the team when Son's away. And he wasn't exactly blessed with chances last night. I think his header on goal was probably his early attempts in the first half, because I can't really think of any other yeah. opportunities. Because Spurs one
1: block shot, and that's yeah. on the edge of the box.
0: That's it. Spurs did struggle uh, to break down Forrest at times. Uh, there was obviously a couple of opportunities, what we've mentioned when Kulaseski teed up Son and Johnson. But other than that, there weren't much to report on. So, yeah, yeah, really good to see uh, Richie on song at the moment.
1: Yeah, and obviously Brennan Johnson... Lost him early in the game. Um, From our position, it was quite worrying because you could suddenly see all the Forest players and the Spurs players calling kind of very quickly and frantically over for the bench for someone to come on. There must have presumably been a fair bit of blood and a particularly unpleasant cut on his head. It was just, you know, absolutely um, nothing in it, nothing malicious, just an accidental clash of heads going up for a ball in the box, and he's just come off worse. Um, from my I understand, 16 stitches in his head, um, bit of a headache this morning, I'd imagine as well. Uh, thankfully no concussion, which is a, obviously is brilliant for him and also for Poster because it means, you know, there's, I mean, he would have been okay. Probably if there was concussion, you've got a seven day rule, haven't you? Where they're continuously tested and looked at throughout that. And obviously the next match was eight days after. But still, just just for the player himself, you know, concussion is never a good thing. And it's something that kind of needs to be monitored so carefully. But thankfully, didn't have that. Um, you'd imagine now, Postal Coglu said afterwards it shouldn't keep him out of any kind of games. So you would imagine he wears some kind of head thing, a little bit like the, um, uh, the thing that Jimenez wears, isn't it? Obviously, very yeah. different circumstances, yeah. but just something to protect that area of his head. Um, because yeah, another, like you say, had that kind of prodded little chance. He didn't really have enough time to make too much of an impact last night before that happened. Um, but you'd imagine at home running at uh, the Everton defense, you kind of need him in that role. Um, he does provide that little kind of searing pace that they need down that side. Um, so yeah, it's a. Just a shame for him. He's been quite unfortunate with these little kind of issues and hopefully this one, you know, doesn't keep him out for any more than just that little bit of the match last night.
0: Yeah, not quite the fairy tale return to the city ground that he wanted. No. Uh I mean, we noticed
1: a, the change in the fans though, didn't we?
0: Yeah, I mean there was a, a smattering of boos early on. I suspect that was rather tongue in cheek given exactly what he'd uh, given to the club uh, over the I don't the think so. You know
1: I don't think so. Really? I'd love to believe you. I'd love to believe you're right. <laughs> and yes, you know, this guy kept them uh, sorry, got them promoted with a lot of his goals and assists and everything and then obviously kept them up. I just think fans hate it when players leave. I just think often they feel like they've been betrayed. And, and it didn't feel like ironic jeers. I think it kind of felt like a few just angry people, despite the fact that that £47.5 million probably really helped Forrest as well, you know, sign another, like we said before, another 25 players or so. So
0: Yeah. I mean, it didn't feel like everyone in the ground no. was booing winning. No, not everyone. But... Yeah, uh, but when he did make way, he was given a standing ovation and I noticed on Twitter or X, whatever it's called now, uh, <laughs> that, uh, Forrest on their account did you know wish him well, uh, said get well soon to him, and that's obviously he's uh still highly thought of in Nottingham. Apparently, they were
1: singing, he's one of our own as well,
0: yeah, so. Quite a, a change within a few minutes. Then from booze to a chance of he's uh, one of our. because he
1: couldn't uh, score against them. Then from <laughs> that point on.
0: Yeah, so just really, really unfortunate for him. You just hope he's in, you know, a good position uh, to start against Everton uh, at the weekend. And yeah, he's just been so stop start for him so far. It just feels like he's not really got going.
1: I think I've just jinxed Raúl Jiménez, who I think has just been sent off against Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> that's very unfortunate. We're just mentioning him literally a second later. Uh, oh no, it wasn't a second later. No, that's in the uh, that's earlier in the half. Um, yeah, yeah. I think uh, in terms of kind of the attacking play, it was just a difficult night. You know, we said it earlier. It's. I mean I'm just looking up at kind of the screen ahead of me and seeing that, you know, Sheffield United, but um, Chelsea 0-0 Sheffield United at half time and how difficult it is to break down some of these teams that you just expect to kind of steamroll it doesn't really work like that and Forest were really kind of organized defensively which isn't something they have always been this season but I did think they defended quite well for long periods. Uh they were tough to break down and ultimately it's about moments of quality and that ball from Kuduski to Richarlison that was it really. And from that moment on, they had to kind of press forward a little bit. They get caught out with the, the Matt Turner mistakes. And, um, yeah, Spurs come away with three points that are really, really um, important to keeping this momentum going um, ahead of the end of the year.
0: Yeah. On the subjects of Johnson and uh, injuries, there's a bit of positive news on the injury front bit of a surprise in terms of the Tottenham squad yesterday Uh, what I think shocked us all was Eric Dyer back on the bench Uh, Ange was asked about injuries in his pre-match press conference and club interview and there was no mention of Dyer and what Ange has previously said about injuries it would be pretty much the turn of the year early January when everyone's everyone's back. So that was a surprise to see uh, Eric Dyer on the bench. And I believe you've got a bit of an update on Mickey van der Ven.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say on Eric Dyer as well, if I'm going to be really kind of (laughs) brutal, quite brutal about it, is it just because he doesn't really think about him as a kind of a major player in his plans? I don't know if it's as sad as that really. I mean, technically I think he just probably forgot about him because otherwise that is the most remarkable recovery. I'm pretty sure he said that again on Thursday, the day before the game. So unless it's been the most miraculous return to fitness for Dyer, um, he might just have forgot about him, which I don't think is a good thing in itself. Um, but yeah, um, Mickey van der Ven. I mean, it's more so about the fact that, you know, if you're looking at van der Ven and Madison and who's going to be back first from what I understand, uh, van der Ven's kind of ahead of Madison right now in terms of fitness and and getting back, obviously very different injuries. One's a hamstring, one's an ankle problem. Van der Ven, it seems is doing some kind of outdoor running now, which is a great start. That's the way to go. I don't think, I think it's important though. Nobody gets really overexcited about, Oh, they're back next week or anything. And, you know, cue them being back next week. But, um, it's, this is the period now where you just are almost even more cautious than you were before because you can't let them even take part in group training until you are sure there's no chance of a reoccurrence or setback or anything because that would be disastrous um so you know that's there seems to be no indication within the club that you are like to see any of those players back before the new year and then we were talking about this just before we came on air that you probably don't try to even risk them for the fa cup game if you've got the squad available for that game at home against a bernie team with other things on their mind you just go with what you've got and then that gives you all the way kind of into the middle of january with the man new game um it just gives you that little bit longer i think to get more people back um and you know and again with van der ven you you probably don't even at that point need to throw him straight back in, let's say if he is available for that game, because you could probably say that if Romero and Davies continue their partnership, it's really good, then maybe bring Van der Ven late on later in the game and start to get in minutes and build his fitness up until he's ready to get back in that team. Um so yeah, we'll see with him. Mana Solomon as well. He seems to be on his way back, so hopefully you'd imagine around the same time in January as well. Um, And, yeah, we'll see what happens with Madison. It's uh, one of those where we saw Madison kind of indicating it's been a bit of a slow one for him. And we saw Postakogru saying, well, he's not a doctor, so I don't know what his qualifications are, but he'll be – he's on track at the moment. Um, And then, you know, we've got Ryan Session as well, who's set to kind of return to group training in the not-too-distant future, in the next week or two. Um, So – We could go from, I mean, that would be perfect for Postacoglu, if he ends up losing various players off to the international competition, just as he starts to get the injured players back. But we know how it works, especially at Tottenham. He'll have a whole new load of injured players and probably suspended players. So it will just be the injured ones will be the only fit players surrounded by academy players around them.
0: Yep. Right. I think we're pretty much done for today's uh, Golden Guest Top Tottenham podcast. There was, there was plenty to discuss anyway after the 2 0 win against Nottingham Forest. Bit of a rare podcast for us, recording on a Saturday. So I'm sure yeah. we'll be back the back end of next week to preview uh, Saturday's game against Everton at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium
1: about the January transfer Man. window as well which is starting to ramp up now as well and Postacoglu sending a letter to Santa or Santa Levy as he was called, he was sat next to him today at the Spurs stadium, um, Daniel Levy, right behind the dugout as well, which was unusual right. um, so yeah, hopefully discussing lots of uh, potential transfer stuff, he made it very clear that he wants players early in the window as well so challenge thrown down will Daniel Levy accept it, we'll talk about you know that in the next pod
0: yeah, there's always plenty to discuss anyway uh, in the world of Tottenham Hotspur. So, as always, thank you for listening to the podcast and just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news. Just grab our huge discount off your NordVPN plan and go to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest. You can receive an extra four months for free and there's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. The link is in the episode description box.